Well, I'll tell you what, that testimony that Lydia just gave makes you understand that, boy, you better love, you better love your loved ones while you can. Because you know what? We don't have a shirts anywhere. It doesn't matter if you're at Walmart. And uh, two different shootings at Walmart this week, two different Walmarts. And then, of course, we saw the horrific shooting yesterday over in El Paso, Texas. And then we woke up this morning, looked at the news, and found out there was another mass shooting in Dayton, Ohio. 30 people killed in 24 hours, two different shootings. And almost 40 people, or maybe more than 40 people, injured. And so we need to pray for our nation today. And, uh, and just in case anybody's wondering, you know what our nation needs? Our nation needs Jesus. Yeah. They need salvation. They need to hear about that hope that Lydia was just singing about. Oh, you said preaching more to it than that. No, there's not. There's really not. You know what? We, we, we think we get it figured out. We, we say, well, we need more education, but that doesn't seem to work. Well, we need more welfare, and that doesn't seem to work. And we just try, we try program after program, and, uh, and nothing seems to work. And, and the further we get away from Jesus, the worse it gets. And this world just needs Jesus Christ. That's what they need. And I want to take just a few minutes, if I could. I'm not going to preach long at all. I'm going to keep it brief tonight or brief this morning. We're not going to have a, a Sunday night service. This is the only chance I've got at you. But, but I want you to, to hear me out this morning, if you will. I know our, our kids are up here today, and I'm going to ask them to sit up nice and straight. And preacher's not going to preach long this morning. But Mark chapter 6 in your Bibles. Mark chapter 6, when you find your place, if you'll stand this morning out of respect for the reading of God's Word and I wish we had time to read more of this uh, chapter because it's such a wonderful chapter in Mark chapter 6. And I encourage you in your devotions to go back and read the whole chapter of Mark chapter 6. It's a lengthy chapter, but it's so great. Mark chapter 6, and because of our time, we're going to start in verse number 45, all right? Mark 6, verse 45. The Bible says, And straightway he, talking about Christ, he constrained his disciples to get into the ship, and to go to the other side before unto Bethsaida while he sent away the people. And when he had sent them away, he departed into a mountain to pray. And when even was come, the ship was in the midst of the sea, and he alone on the land. And he saw them toiling and rowing, for the wind was contrary unto them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he cometh unto them, walking upon the sea, and would have passed by them. And when they saw him walking upon the sea... They supposed it had been a spirit and cried out, for they all saw him and were troubled. And immediately he talked with them and saith unto them, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. Now I want you to notice the next two verses. The Bible says, And he went up unto them into the ship, and the wind ceased, and they were sore amazed in themselves beyond measure and wondered. Notice verse 52. For they considered not the miracle of the loaves, for their heart was hardened. And notice especially verse 52. For they considered not the miracle of the loaves, for their heart was hardened. And you may be seated this morning, and I just felt led of God to preach on this subject this morning uh, right after Bible school. Don't miss the miracle. Don't miss the miracle. Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity to be at Calvary. 
And God, thank you for the wonderful week you've given us and then a wonderful morning this morning. Thank you for the 10 o'clock hour. We enjoyed the Sunday school time so much. Really did. I'm not just saying that, to, Lord, to try to, you know, uh, 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 try to convince people to come. Lord, it was a wonderful time in the 10 o'clock hour. And we thank you so much for Sunday school time. And now, Lord, we thank you for the great service that you've given. And, and Father, thank you for uh, the songs and the specials and the choir. And God, we, we, uh, we, we come joyful because... The joy of the Lord is our strength, and we come joyful because we're a child of the King if we're saved. But Lord, at the same time, nationally speaking, we come with heavy hearts today. God, as we see what's, what has transpired in our nation in just the last 24 hours, and Lord, uh, this world is in, a, they're spiraling out of control without Jesus, without the Word of God. And Lord, what we're doing right now, and Lord, what's happened in the last 24 hours has made, God, made it more apparent that what we're doing right now is more needful than it's ever been. We've got to get people into the houses of God, under the preaching and the teaching of the Word of God, under the sound of the gospel. Lord, that gospel still has the power to change and transform lives. And so, Lord, I pray that you'll bless our discussion this morning. Save the lost. Encourage the saved. I pray that our blessed, wonderful, and darling Savior would receive honor and praise and glory from all that's done. We love you and praise you. In Jesus' name, we pray. And for his sake and all God's people said, amen. And one of the things I notice here in Mark chapter 6 is that the disciples were amazed that Jesus came to them walking on the water. And equally amazed, or maybe even more so, that he had the power to calm the stormy winds. No pun intended, but it literally blew them away. I mean, it just, uh, and I didn't think about that till just now, but, uh, but it really did. I mean, it just, it, it blew their minds. They were having a, a difficult time trying, trying to, to comprehend his great power. But Scripture is clear to point out the reason for their surprise. Notice, if you will, verse number 52. The Bible says, For they considered not the miracle of the loaves, for their heart was hardened. For they considered not. That uh, phrase, consider not, simply means they just didn't put it together. That's what it means. They, they just did not put it together. And, and by that I mean this. That it seems like at least, and, and I know that, you know, we're, we're looking into this story. We weren't there. And so it's easy for us to get up here and sort of, you know, Monday morning quarterback and say, well, I would have done this. Uh, probably would have been a little different if you'd been down on that boat where they were. But, but the Bible says they consider not the miracle of the load. They never put together that, you know what, if this man can feed 15,000 people with just five loaves and two fishes, then surely this same man can calm the waters of the Sea of Galilee. You see, they were in the moment, but they missed the miracle. Have you ever, have you heard this statement? Uh, they miss the forest for the trees. And that's really what's going on here in Mark chapter 6 and verse number 52. They were present for the feeding of the 5,000. The Bible says there were 5,000 men. We don't know how many women and children there. 
And so there's a very good, there's a high percentage that there were as much as 15,000 people on that hillside that day. And, and, uh, and so, uh, you know what? They were present there for the feeding of the 5,000. In fact, the Bible says that they even assisted in that miracle. As Jesus had them sit down in fifties and hundreds and the disciples begin to disperse the bread and the fishes, but somehow they totally missed the greatness of the moment. Somehow they allowed themselves to totally miss the miracles and the blessing of God. Now I said that for a reason. Uh, this week, as I was just pondering on vacation Bible school, back midway through the week, and I was just having a little personal time with the Lord, and the, and the Lord really seemed to be speaking to my heart. And I began to think about this scripture. I read this scripture, and I began to think about miracles, and it was like the Holy Spirit whispered and said, Hey, son, I don't know if you know this or not, but you've been in the middle of a miracle this week. And I began to think about that a little bit, and I thought, Lord, you're exactly right. We really have been along for the miracle of the Lord this week. Think about it. We've experienced firsthand. We haven't heard about it. We've been in it. We've experienced firsthand the blessing of our great God. We've had souls saved. And, and, and listen, and, and somebody says, well, how many kids were there? I didn't know it mattered. I didn't know it mattered. I thought kids could get saved just like adults could. To be honest, if you ever want to debate that, I, I submit that kids can get saved easier than adults can. <laughs> and, and I didn't say that. I believe our Savior said that. And we had kids come this week, and I told our Sunday school class this morning, and I wish somehow that, that we could get a picture of the hearts of those young people. Some were, uh, some were younger, some were older. A lot of older age kids in our vacation Bible school this week. And, but I, 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 just, I, I was literally blown away as we dismissed the service and, and then we had something waiting on the outside of the church for all the kids, some kind of a treat for all the kids and the service is completely dismissed and the kids had freedom to leave and they had the freedom to go out with their, with their friends. But how many kids waited and lined up here at the pastor, which by the way, that in itself is intimidating to a little kid. But yet they waited and they came forward and, and, and we did not coerce their answer. When they came forward, I said, hey, how are you doing? Why, what, what, what can I help you with? Why, why are you coming? The last night we used the, the crucifixion nail and we used the crown of thorns and the, and the cat of nine tails and we had a few kids that came up because they wanted to see the nail. If I was a little kid, I would want to see the nail. And, and I said, hey, how are you doing? What are you coming up here for? Well, I wanted to see the nail. But time and time again, as kids came forward, I said, hello, how are you? I'm glad you came. What can I do for you? Preacher, I came up here to tell you that tonight I prayed that prayer and I was serious about it and I was not joking around and I asked Jesus to come into my heart. Let me tell you something, brother. If that's not sincerity, I don't know what it is. And over and 20 professions of faith and 21 as of last night and, and souls saved every single night. And then I thought about this miracle. Speaking of miracles, I'm talking about workers coming together for a common cause. This week, there was nothing but a spirit of camaraderie the whole week. Amen. And by Friday night, folks were war slap out like Miss Mandy. Miss Mandy's right. But yet there was a good spirit. And people got along and, and there was no, fu and no fussing and fighting and fuming and, and folks were working together. And I kept, I kept having this thought uh, time and time again, man, God has assembled one of the greatest teams at Calvary Baptist Church that's ever been. 
And I'm excited about the future. I'm excited about what God is going to do. And if you think our our best days are in the past, uh, uh, listen, brother, I don't believe so. I believe our best days and our better days are still yet to be seen. And God is still working at Calvary Baptist Church. And I believe that God has big plans. I believe that God has things in store for us that you and I can't even fathom. We can't even figure it out. But I know one thing. I serve a great and mighty God. Workers coming together for a common cause. We're in the middle of the miracle. I thought about a a, a church like ours, a country church, literally reaching out to its community. And Friday night, hundreds of people on the property and and families and new families and new faces and and the opportunity just to go over and shake hands and and welcome folks onto our our onto our, our new property and uh, and uh, man uh, and every single night a packed house and this is all I'm saying. Be sure that you don't miss the miracle. Amen. We've been in a miracle all week. We beheld the blessings of God. But how many know this? We don't just experience that on Bible school week. <laughs> Did you know that every single day we see the miracles of God? And every single day we see the blessings of our God. Good gracious, I'm telling you, we are blessed beyond measure. God's been so good to us. And this is, this is the message, and it's so simple this morning. But how many know if we're not careful, we'll be in the miracle. And we'll totally miss it. As Brother Horn would say, it's just like, I mean, it just goes right, it just goes right by us. Now I began to think about that a little bit, and I thought, Lord, I wonder if there's something in this scripture here that 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 teaches us, you know, the, the disciples, bless their heart, they miss the miracle, but if we're not careful, we'll do the same thing. And so I wonder if there's something in this scripture that may uh, shed some light on what it was that caused them to miss the blessings of God, and I believe it is. I want to show you several this morning if I could. How about this? Number one, I believe the first one was what I'm going to call busyness. Busyness. Would you look at Mark chapter 6 and verse number 30? We didn't read this uh, uh, this morning, but notice what it says in verse number 30. The Bible says, And the apostles gathered themselves together unto Jesus and told him all things, both what they had done and what they had taught, and notice his response. And he said unto them, Come ye yourselves apart into a desert place and rest a while. For there were many coming and going, and they had no leisure so much as to eat. You know what that's, you know what that's telling us? They were busy. Man, I mean, they were busy preaching. They were busy doing miracles. They were busy healing. They were busy ministering. And they were simply so busy that they failed to notice what God was doing. Although there was a great miracle that was taking place around them when 5,000, 15,000 people are being fed with just five loaves and two fishes, the Bible says they totally, totally missed it. Maybe because they were so caught up in the busyness of their schedule. I don't have to tell you this. You know this is the case. We seem to be living in one of the busiest generations that there's ever been. And people seem to have little time for God. We go out visiting, knock on doors, and it's almost a joke, almost a joke anymore. As you knock on the door and you say, Hi, sir, we're from Calvary Baptist Church. We invite you to come to Calvary. Well, I'm just way too busy for that. I'm way too busy to go to church. I'm way too busy to come to Sunday school. I'm way too busy to come back on Sunday night. I'm way too busy to come 
come to a revival or a prayer meeting or a conference. You see, preacher, I'm just way, way too busy for that. And I want to say this morning, if you're too busy to make time for God, you are way too busy. I make no apologies for saying that. Brother, you know what we've done? We have etched God literally out of our schedules all the way. We, we went to the Lord and said, Lord, I'll tell you what I'll do. I think I can fit you in Thursday about 2.15. And, uh, and then we end up not spending time with God. And I want to say God's not interested in being a spoke in the wheel. God ought to be the hub that everything revolves around. We're, amen. Yes, oh, yes. The busyness, busyness. Mark chapter 6 and verse number 33 is still in the word of God. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. I just wonder today, church, what is our excuse going to be when we stand before a holy God one day? Well, Lord, I was just too busy. I just, just, just too busy. And I'm sure that Almighty God is going to say, oh, oh, okay. I want to tell you something. God's not going to say that. Now, I want you to take your Bibles this morning, if you will, please, and I want you to turn over to Colossians chapter 1, and I want you to look with me, please, at verse number 17. Colossians chapter 1 and verse number 17, and we don't hear, maybe we don't hear these kind of things preached quite as much as we used to, and we probably need to get back to, to, to preaching on this thing of making God a priority in our lives. And notice, if you will, Colossians chapter 1 and verse number 17, and as Paul is, is challenging the church of Colossae here concerning the Lord, notice what it says in verse number 17, and he, talking about Jesus, and he is before, what's he before? What's he before? What is he before? I wonder if that means all things. I wonder if that means he's before carowinds. I wonder if that means he's before NFL. I wonder if that means he's before NASCAR. I wonder if that means he's before playing 18. I wonder if that means that he's before, he's before all things. Look at this. And by him all things consist. Look at verse 18. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in, what is it? That in all things. I wonder if those all things means your marriage. I wonder if those all things mean your job. I wonder if those all things mean your career. Hey, I wonder if those all things mean your date life. I wonder if those all things mean your child rearing. I wonder if those all things mean high school. I wonder if those all things mean when you get on the school bus this week or next week that in all things he might have the preeminence. Preeminence. We don't use that word a ton anymore. Preeminence. What does preeminence mean? It means, brother, he's at the top. 
He's, he's the first. He's first place. He's before every single thing. In every single thing. Well, you say, preacher, I got to work. Yeah. You know why we work? We work so we can serve God. Right. Yeah, that's true, church. We work so we can, we can live for the Lord. Uh, you say, well, preacher, I know, but I got to raise my kids. You know why you raise your kids? To serve God. Right. <laughs> hey, kids, they're not yours. Or, or parents, they're not yours. They're God's. God gave them to you. God can take them from you. You know why God gives us kids? God gives us kids on a loan basis. And then for about the first 18, 19, hopefully 20 years, <laughs> we raise those kids for the Lord. And then when they get to that, that point, you know what happens? We give them back to God. And we say, God, use them. And so the Bible says that God ought to have the preeminence in everything. Again, I'm just saying this, that, that maybe, just maybe, the, the disciples missed it. I mean, they were right smack dab in the middle of the blessing and the power of God. But it just went right over them because they were so, so busy. We got to hurry. How about this? Number two is the word blindness. Now I want you to take your Bible, turn back to Mark 6 and verse number 52 again. Mark chapter 6 and verse number 52 and notice what our Bible tells us here. Mark 6, verse 52, the Bible says, For they considered not the miracle of the loaves. And notice the last phrase, For their heart was what? Their heart was hardened. Their heart was hardened. That word hardened there means blind. It means blindness. The apostles were right in the middle of God's miracles, but they were blind to what was going on. They were on, have you ever heard this? They were on the inside looking out. And because they were on the inside looking out, being with Jesus and seeing Jesus work had gone to the place where it's no big deal anymore. But you understand the Bible gives us a contrast and it often does. As they were on the inside looking out, there were others on the outside looking in. And that's why if you'll notice in Mark chapter 6, and verse number 54, the Bible gives us the flip side of that coin. In verse 54, the Bible says, and when they were come out of the ship, talking about the apostles and Jesus, straightway they knew him. Talking about those on the shore, they knew him and ran through that whole region round about and began to carry about in beds those that were sick when they heard, uh, when they, uh, where, where they heard he was. And whithersoever he entered into villages or cities or country, they laid the sick in the streets and besought him that they might touch it, uh, if it were but the border of his garment. And as many as touched him were made whole. And that's all I'm saying this morning, church. The disciples had become familiar with the blessings of the Lord. I mean, they just saw him work and it got to the place where they just blind to it. No big deal. And how many know that if we're not careful, we can get that same kind of blindness. We'll get that blindness in a church like this where folks are being saved and things are happening and after a little while it's like, oh, what's next? 20 saved. Oh, where are we going to dinner? And we'll be right smack dab in the middle of a miracle and yet we grow familiar with that miracle. When I begin to think about familiarity, and somebody said that familiarity always breeds contempt. I, I got to think about Brother Justin. I hope you don't mind me using him for an illustration. Brother Justin works. He works at a place. Now, I won't even mention the place, but he works at a place. And for most of us, if we got close to the place that Brother Justin worked, you'd be like, whoa, wow. 
What an odor. I mean, they process chickens and uh, at this place that he works. It's a multi-million dollar corporation. And, uh, and, but yet, if you were go, uh, go over that place, you'd be like, wow, man. And I, but probably, Brother Justin, to a great extent, when he walks in with somebody new and they say, man, what a smell, Brother Justin probably says, what are you talking about? Because he's been there, he's been around it, he's grown accustomed to it. And, and uh, I'm talking about familiarity. When we were, when we were kids, our, our family used to camp. And we used to, we used to camp up toward, uh, uh, we used to camp at a place called Deep Creek Campground up in Bryson City, North Carolina. And we used to go up there and watch the inspiration, sing on the mountain. And, and, uh, but whenever we were driving up to Western North Carolina, we'd always drive through a place called Canton. And in Canton, North Carolina, there's paper factories. And as you drive down the interstate through Canton, even still to this day, when you drive through there, you're like, what is that smell? Now, you know why you do that? Because you're not used to it. But I guarantee you, if you were to go to some of the old timers that have lived in Canton for 50 years, and you would say, how do you stand that smell they would say, what are you talking about? You know why? They've grown accustomed to it. They've gotten familiar with it. Did you know the Bible says about the children of Israel that they grew familiar with the blessings and the miracles of God? The Bible says in Isaiah 57, verse number 10, thou art wearied in the greatness of thy way, yet yet saidst thou not. I'm about done. Listen to me now. I'm about done. I'm talking about if we're not careful, we'll miss the blessing of God because of blindness. I love this statement. I highlighted it. I blew it up big on my outline. Emerson said this. Listen to this. Emerson said this, that if the stars came out only once a year, if the stars came out only once a year, everybody would stay up all night to behold them. But we've seen the stars so often that we don't even bother to look at them anymore. I'm preaching good this morning, whether you know it or not. And you know what? We do the same thing with Jesus. Good night, church. He blesses us with salvation, blesses us with clothes to wear, blesses us with a car to drive, blesses us with air to breathe, blesses us with a family, blesses us with a roof over our head. I mean, man, oh man, God gives us life and blessing and miracle. And you know what? If we're not careful, we'll get to the place where we begin to take it for granted and we become blind to the blessings of the Lord. Now, let me give you three statements. All right, write these down. Or write the, write the main words down in the margin of your Bible. Three statements. Number one is this. Every day, take some time to think. T-H-I-N-K. Every day, take some time to think about God's blessings. Every day, take some time to think about God's blessings. And how many know this that will never be thankful? T-H-A-N-K, if you will. We'll never be thankful until first we become thankful. Right. Somebody says, well, you know what? Life's just terrible. Let me ask you something. When you woke up this morning, did you have air to breathe? Uh, Yes. Then think. Uh, Do you have a bed to sleep in? Well, I don't have a number bed or a sleep number bed. I would say the highest percentage of the folks in this room don't have a sleep number bed. And most of us are so tired this week, we'd have slept on a rock. You've got a bed to sleep in. 
You've got some type of covers to pull up. You've got a pillow to lay your head on. You've got some food to eat. Oh, maybe you don't, maybe, maybe you don't eat a, a T-bone steak every night, but you've got some beanie weenies and some rice and, and uh, you've got some pork and beans and, and you've got, yeah, but come on now. And you've got something to eat. You've got shoes on your feet. And you've got clothes on your feet. I want to tell you what. You want to jump up and down and say, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah to God. He's good to me. Every day, take some time to think, T-H-I-N-K, to think about God's blessings. Number two, every day, take some time to verbally thank, T-H-A-N-K. Every day, take some time to verbally thank God for his blessings. Now, don't answer out loud, but I want to ask you a question. How many times a day do you say these words, thank you? Don't answer out loud. But I want you to do a little test in your mind. How many times a day do you verbally say, thank you? We say, preacher, I don't hardly say it at all. Man, there's a problem. I think you ought to learn how to say thank you to everybody. But long before you say thank you to everybody, boy, oh boy, church, we ought to be somewhere saying, oh, Lord, thank you. Oh, Lord, thank you for salvation. Oh, God, thank you for sending your son. Oh, Lord, thank you for heaven. Lord, thank you for a Bible. Lord, thank you for a mind that works. Lord, Lord, hey, listen, you know what God convicted me about the other day? We don't thank God for the senses like we should. You say, what do you mean, Pastor? Man, you know what a blessing it is just to be able to see? Jeepers, creepers, where'd you get them peepers? You know where you got those peepers from? God Almighty. You know what a blessing it is to look and to be able to see colors and to be able to see people? You know what a blessing it is to be able to smell when my wife's cooking a meal? You know what a blessing it is to be able to put that biscuit in my mouth and taste? To touch? Oh, listen, that's all I'm saying. You say, preacher, man, this is the shallowest preaching I've ever heard. Maybe so. But you know what? I'm just here to remind you that God is good and we ought to give him thanks and praise for his blessing. Every day, take some time to think, T-H-I-N-K. You'll never be thankful until first you become thankful. Every day, take some time to verbally thank God for his blessings. But last of all, every day, take some time to talk about his blessings to verbally talk about his blessings. Malachi 3.16, Then they that feared the Lord spake often one to another, and the Lord hearkened and heard it, and the book of remembrance was written before him for them that feared the Lord and thought upon his name. Hebrews 13.15, By him therefore let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. Listen, uh, you say, well, preacher, I'm just a, I'm the kind of person I pray silently, and I'm not against that at all. And there's times when I pray silently. And sometimes to pray silently is in order. But you know what, church? The Bible says the fruit of our lips is when we give thanks to God. When is the last time that you got alone with Jesus and you said, Jesus, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Man, God's good to us, isn't he? They totally missed the miracle. Busyness. Blindness. Let's bring this thing to a close. You know what else make you miss the miracles? Battles. Now look back at Mark chapter 6 and look at verse number 47. I'm done. 
The Bible says in verse 47, and when even was come, the ship that the disciples were on, the ship was in the midst of the sea, and he talking about Christ, and he alone on the land. And he saw them toiling in rowing, for the wind was contrary unto them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he cometh unto them walking upon the sea and would have passed by them. Matthew's gospel says it like this, but the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. The missionary that we were with a few weeks ago in Israel, literally his home is on the Sea of Galilee. You can walk out of his back door and you can walk about 100 yards or so and you can step into the Sea of Galilee. When we think about storms in North Carolina, we think about thunderstorms. We think about dark clouds, thunder, lightning. That's not necessarily what happens in Israel. He said, you know, preacher, he's been, he said, there's been times when he said, we've seen waves coming up and crashing over the highways from the Sea of Galilee. And he said, there's not a cloud in the sky. He said, we'll have windstorms over here. And he said, those waves get to tossing and, and, uh, and it, it's unbelievable what happens on that Sea of Galilee. And now, wait a minute now, and then couple that with the fact the Bible says this was the fourth watch of the night. What's that mean, preacher? It was somewhere between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. And just thank the, because we've been there, I want to tell you what, at night, the Sea of Galilee It is dark. Here's these disciples out on the Sea of Galilee at 3 o'clock in the morning. There's a major windstorm. That boat's been tossed all over the place. And you know what? Jesus comes and stills the waves. And wait a minute, why did they miss the miracle? And I wrote this down. They possibly got so focused on the surf that they missed the Savior. And I'm done. We're done. Hey, listen, church. Make sure when the hard times come and the battles come, make sure that you don't get so focused on the surf that you miss the Savior, by the way, that's walking on the top of the surf. Somebody said, quit telling God how big your mountains are and start telling your mountains how big your God is. Amen. Hey, Calvary. Whatever you do, don't miss the miracle. Don't miss the miracle. Father, we thank you so much for this time we've had together this morning. Man, oh man, I've gotten some help today. And I want to thank you, Lord, for speaking to my heart even while I was preaching. God, forgive me for those times when I grow familiar. Forgive me for those times when I complain, when I murmur, when I forget how, how very blessed how very blessed I am. God, I pray today that you'd give us a church full of people, a congregation that would make sure that they do not miss the miracles of our great God. Lord, I pray you have your way in this invitation. Speak to hearts. I believe you're doing that already. And God, maybe today somebody just needs to tiptoe down to this old-fashioned altar and say, Lord, Help me to be thankful so I'll in turn be thankful. Thank you, Lord, 
for your blessings. Thank you, Lord. Have your way now, please, Father. We thank you so much in Jesus' name. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Many are all, have come to the altar this morning, and maybe there's others that ought to come. So I want you to do me a favor real quickly, if you would, just very quietly, would you all stand around the house? Let's all stand. Heads bowed, eyes closed. If God spoke to your heart today and you need to come, I want to encourage you to come right now. But it could be that there's somebody here this morning that doesn't know that you're on your way to heaven when you die. And good neighbor, if that's you, young person, older person, if you're here today and you don't know that Jesus is your Savior, would you do something? Would you be bold today? Would you step out wherever you are in this congregation? Would you just step out? You may have to say, excuse me, excuse me, can I get by? Would you step out and come down? And we'd like to take the Bible and show you how you can know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. We want to invite you to come while we wait. The pianist will play. You come. We'll be down here to meet you. You come today while we wait. Lord, have your way now in the invitation. You're speaking to hearts. You've spoken to mine. And I pray you'll continue to work now. We love you. Thank you for your blessings on us, Lord. In Jesus' name. You come today with heads bowed, eyes closed. You come while we wait.